Morning, church. So if you're new, I know you've been welcomed already, but we just want to make sure you feel extra welcome. We are glad that you're here. Family, it is good to see you as always. Those of you that are watching online, we are glad that you're along with us. Um, We are glad that you can catch up even though you're not in the room. And so we do begin a new venture today. Um, Advent, some of you are going, okay, I'm a traditional um, Adventist, if you like. I I know that uh, Advent is four weeks before Christmas. Well, that's true. You would be right. But we're cheating. Okay? So uh, what we're doing is because the 23rd, excuse me, 23rd lands on a Sunday, but the 23rd is when we launch our big Christmas um, activities. And, and so on the 23rd, we're only having two morning services, and then we'll have all of the four evening ones that go with all of the stuff going on outside. So we are uh, starting now because we believe that Advent is so vital to the rhythm of our life. The, the, the way Advent works is it's designed like a walk I was taking with my seven-year-old, right? So we're going on a walk, which, by the way, I don't mean this offensive, but uh, my seven-year-old... Bailey, when we leave the house, I don't have to say a whole lot. She is a typical lady, right? She can talk for two months. In fact, the other day, we left the house and I go, hey, Bailey, what what does your, like, day look like at school? What's your schedule? I kid you not, two-mile walk, we are just finishing up her schedule as we're coming back to the house. Like this girl, this girl, God gifted her to talk, right? And she asked me a question the other day. I don't know where she got it from. I don't know if it's her or she heard it from school or something, but she, we're out on a walk and she goes, hey dad, uh, what's not around anymore that was around when you were growing up? Excuse me? Did you just call me old? Which I've accepted by the way. When I get to her graduation, they're going to think I'm her grandpa. I just accepted it. Um, the hair's not getting any darker. Uh, so so we're, we're walking along and I go, well, man, we, we didn't have like, because we didn't have like music like you have it now. She was like, what do you mean? I said, well, we had these things called cassette tapes. She's like, a cassette tape? And I'm like, yeah, we, you couldn't even carry it around for a while. Like somebody developed this thing called a Walkman. She has no clue what that is. And, and so it's, it's just this ongoing like explanation of how you listen to music. Um, she now walks into the house. We got Alexa recently and she's just, Alexa, play. And I'm like, yeah, Alexa didn't exist. Alexa wasn't around. <laughs> and I'm like, baby, we didn't have Disney Channel. And she's like, you didn't have, what did you have? And I'm like, well, we have four channels on our TV. And there was this thing called bunny ears. And if they didn't work, then grandpa went over and smacked it because that always works, right? Or you, you've got like tin foil hanging off one side because that helps it come in better. Some of you are like, you need to Google it. Okay, so, um, but, but she, she's like, so one of the four channels was the Disney Ch- I'm like, Disney Channel didn't exist. She's like, how does the world exist without Disney Channel? I'm like, believe it or not, it kept spinning. Um, and then I'm like, so, so we didn't have cell phones. She's like, no cell phone. She's like, you didn't have any. I'm like, there was no cell phone, baby. There was a phone on the wall that you went and got. 
And then you stood and talked in front of everybody in your family. We should go back to this, by the way. Everybody in your family so you could all hear what you're talking about. Some tells me there would be way less affairs. Anyways, that's something else. Um, so, so, so she's like, you didn't have a cell phone. And I'm like, when I did get one, it was called a pager. You ever try to explain a pager to a seven-year-old? She's like, what does a pager do? I'm like, well, they would call you and, and like, you would get a number. And, it, and she's like, was it cool? And I'm like, I thought it was real cool. Um, she's like, but you can't call them back from it. I'm like, no, you had to go to a payphone. What's a payphone? <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, so, so then I'm like, then when I did get a cell phone, you didn't text. She's like, nobody texted. No, nobody texted. And then she asked about computers. I didn't have a laptop. I had this box that was this big that sat in my room and made all kinds of noise, right? And, and I was trying to explain to her, anybody have like a Commodore or a, a Spectrum and you had to put the tape in to load the game and it sounded worse than the internet on dial-up, you know, that whole thing? Um, some of you were like, man, you are old. It'll come to you. Um, so so we're, we, we get done and it, it, reminds me, it reminds me of admin. Because, like, if I didn't slow down with her, I wouldn't think about all the things that I didn't have. All the changes that have happened in my life. So that, to the world around us. And, and that list I just gave you was short. And there was another moment this week that reminds me of Advent. And, and we were standing, so my, my littlest, my five-year-old, Farrah, she had to go to uh, the, the eye doctor, right? And the eye doctor's like, yeah, you need glasses, I'm going to be honest, I might have cheered when I heard she had to get glasses. Some of you are like, man, that was mean. No, she is cute. Can you imagine her with glasses? Come on. Look at this. Yeah, every single day I get to look at that. So, so I'm, like, I'm like, this is, this is great. I will go with you. We'll go pick them out. But, but here's the thing. She's going to wear glasses because she needs an adjustment to her sight. She needs an adjustment to her sight. So, so they're going to make some changes. She's going to have an interruption to her life where she's going to have to wear glasses that she's never had to do before. But at the end of it, she will have better sight and be able to see clearer than she can today. And, and so the glasses actually become a good interruption. And when we talk about Advent, Advent is a good interruption to your scheduled programming. You see, because, because what Advent was designed for, for the church, is that if we don't have an intentional slowdown, if we don't interrupt the rhythm, what happens in this season is the rhythm gets so intense that, that what was, what we would call busy before, which a better word is full, so what full life become, for becomes even fuller, right? Because we add more because all of a sudden you're worried about who's coming, right? You're worried about who's coming to dinner and all that kind of stuff and who's coming for this thing. And then you got people inviting you because everybody has a party. You got to go to every party, right? So which parties are you going to go to? And on top of that, the kids are still playing soccer. And on top of that, like if you're not and work picks up, depending on what kind of work you're in. And if you're not careful, we can blitz right through this season and not even stop and go, well, I look how far we've come. Look at all God has done. Uh, we, we, we can also um, get to the point where if we're not careful, if we don't have built-in interruptions that we miss, we don't see what's there to see. And so what Advent is for the church 
is it's four weeks when we slow down and we specifically look at certain things that are designed to slow us down and get ready for the arrival of baby Jesus. They get us ready for the celebration of what really matters. They frame up a season that is that by culture has been defined to deter you to everything else and distract you to everything else. It's designed to slow you down and let you look at and let you see what's really important. And so when we slow down for Advent as a church, it's not just because we go, oh, it's on the church calendar. We should do it. Advent to me is such a rich time because inside of it this year, we're anchoring into this idea of the thrill of hope. And that comes from whenever God showed up in human history, whenever God shows up, there is hope. And so we as a church family, we as the people of God should, especially at this season, be caught up by a thrill of hope that what it does to us is we walk through this season and we are so hopeful because we've all, we're being reminded constantly that Jesus came. And as Jesus has come, as God has come close to humanity, every single time hope is given. And so we should be the most hopeful people on the planet. And so we're going we're gonna to lean into that. We're going to lean into this season. We're going to lean into these interruptions by looking at stories of when God came near. So if you have a Bible, we're in Luke today, Luke chapter 1. And we're going to jump in at verse 5. And it goes like this. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah. Who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah, his wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. Now, super important, we understand the context that we're putting this entire story in. And the context goes something like this, that the Zechariah is a priest, right? And he's from a priestly division. Now, as a priest, there were 24 divisions in, in all of Israel, and they would serve twice a year throughout the year. They would go for a week and they would do all the, all the priestly duties, if you like, at the temple. And so for him, by birth, he was given this right to be a priest. So there was an expectation that he will go twice a year and he will, he will perform the priestly duties that are required of him. And, and so for him then, for Zechariah, what would be the most ideal thing is as he grew up, he would find a virgin who was from a priestly line. And so it's really important when you get down to Elizabeth, she's also a descendant of Aaron, right? So, so Elizabeth, we find out that he's a priest and she's from a priestly line. This is like good stock for breeding priests. This is, this is like the best you can get. The, the babies they're going to have, those boys that show up, they are going to be the priests of the priests. Because the line is so good. So at this point, you would say, man, they, they have everything aligned for this thing to, to move towards like being an all-star team for the nation of Israel. People would look at them and be jealous because their lines are so pure. Next verse. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. So... So not only is their, their lines perfect, they've married, it's the perfect, perfect couple to have priests, right? But on top of that, 
It's specifically now saying that they were morally right. Meaning that as they went about the way they carried themselves, the things that they did, not only is it that they've been handed this thing religiously in the priestly line, but their moral character is that they were specifically in the sight of God. They're observing all the commands, right? They're righteous. So their standing is right with God on top of that, that they are blameless. There's no fault that can be brought to them. So, so you have in this story, you have two people who by birth, by line, have come together, and it's like the dream team. On top of that, you have character and you have faithfulness built in. As I was kind of looking at this, I went, you know, God, we use these passages a lot when it comes to this time of year. I actually wasn't even going to use any of the Christmas story, right? And as I started looking at it, I went, God, you know, what would it look like How would we change the perspective, if you like, for us in a season when we need an interruption, we need to be reminded, how do we we change that? And God went, John, have you ever read this passage through the eyes of thankfulness? Because gratitude, I don't know how your Thanksgiving was, but when you get a text from somebody or you get somebody in person saying, I'm just thankful for you, it does something to you. And also, when you turn around and say, man, I'm thankful for you, it it does something to you. Gratitude has a way of changing our perspective, which is why Thanksgiving is such a rich rhythm within our culture. Because even people who are bitter all the other days out of the year hit Thanksgiving and they're like, I'm so thankful, right? But in this case, in this case, right, I'm looking at this and going, man, this is, this is something every, not everybody, but a lot of people know this story. And especially if you've been around church a long time and I know where it's going, like, you know. And God goes, what if you read it from the view of thankfulness? And so I just want to share some things I'm thankful for. Because right now this seems too perfect. It's the perfect line. They, they, they obey everything, right? Notice the next verse. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive. And they were both very old. They were childless. And and so with the childless thing, like, you you could go different ways with this. Some of you are like, yeah, they didn't have kids. Too bad. It's pretty cold, but you saw the facts. For others, you read this and you go, man, the pain that they must have gone through every single day. The emotional pain that they have carried by not being able to have children must have been very unbearable at times. At times, it must have felt like their soul was being ripped out. And and so there's struggle inside of this. Here you had the perfect people doing the perfect following of God who don't have children. Now, to us, you could look at it that way. In, in, In the first century the way childless came across was this, that God's favor was not on you. That in fact, God was not only, uh, his favor wasn't towards you, but you were experiencing his punishment by not having the blessing of children. Other verses in the Bible talk about children are a blessing from the Lord. I'm going to ask the Lord about that one day. No, I'm just kidding. Um, My children are a blessing from the Lord. And so in this context, people are looking at them and going, you must be doing something wrong. 
And so I'm thankful for this today. I'm thankful for people who still followed and were faithful to God in spite of their struggle. I'm thankful for their faithfulness in spite of pain. I'm thankful for their faithfulness in spite of the struggle that they're in. Why? Because there's something special about people who go, you know what? In spite of what I can see today, in spite of God's blessing that I can see, I'm going to be faithful today to follow God. That I'm going to be faithful to get up and do what he's put in front of me. Why? Simply because he is God. That what he has asked me to do, I'm going to put one foot in front of the other. I'm just going to follow him today in spite of the fact that if I had my way, this whole thing would completely change. That there's something beautiful about people that go, you know what? I hate where I am, but I love that God is God. And I'm going to be faithful to get up tomorrow. And I'm going to be faithful to do what I need to do in spite of not being able to see any of the blessing of God. Even when I walk into a room and everybody else assumes shame on me and assumes guilt on me that I'm doing something wrong and and God is punishing me. That couldn't be further from their story. That's why God's so faithful to go, man, they were upright. They were righteous. There was nothing anybody could throw at them. They were blameless before God. There's something beautiful. I'm reminded today, and I'm thankful for it, that there's something beautiful about just being faithful even when life isn't working out the way you want it to. Next verse. And they were very old. Once, when Zechariah's division was on duty, and he was serving as a priest. I love that. I don't know that they had to if it was like he would be put to death if he didn't. But I love that it says just that line that he was serving. He's just going about what God had put in front of him, right? He's serving as a priest. He's doing what God had given him to do. Next verse. He was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. Okay, so he was chosen by lot. So it's an Old Testament thing, right? You throw your name in the hat and you, out comes your lot type thing, right? And so, so in this sense, like we read this and he goes, oh, he was chosen. That's cool. It's like being chosen for elk, right? Okay, a little bit bigger. This is a once in a lifetime deal. Because once your name was chosen, it never went back into the hat. Okay? So, so you have Zechariah who is very old, and as someone who is very old and someone who already feels like God's blessing isn't on him because he doesn't have children, but he's still being faithful, right? He gets to this point as a very old person, he's watched person after person after person go in and do this. And it says that he is chosen. This is his moment. Like God's favor has come on him. This is his moment to go in and burn the incense. Now, in those days, you had... You had the outer part where they did the sacrifices, and then you went into the inner part, and in the inner part, it was divided into two sections. You had the holy place, and then you had the holy of holies. And the the holy of holies is believed where the very presence of God rested, right? And there was a curtain in between, a big veil, a really thick curtain, and that divided the presence of God from, from the rest of Israel. Only one time... Only one time could anybody, the high priest, go into the presence of God once a year. One time a year, you could go in there. 
So what he's doing here is he's going into the front part of that, the holy place, and he's going to where the incense is burned. He gets all the way up as close as you can to what's believed to be the very presence of God. That's why this is such a big deal. You only get to do it once in a lifetime. And you go in and you go and you offer the incense in that space. Next verse. And when the time came for the burning of in, or when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. Next verse. Then the then an angel of the Lord appeared to him. So he's gone in now, and an angel of the Lord shows up. An angel of the Lord appears. Okay, can we talk about God's timing for a second? Because this has been a really long time. Like, like he's watched many, many, many people, and now his moment comes up. That God's timing is always better than ours. Like, and what I love about this is for him, it's been years and years and years and years and years and years and years, right? But for God, it's just a moment. It's just a moment. And his timing is right because when he goes in, there's believed to be 18,000 priests, but on this day, it was his day. And they believed the lot was chosen by God. He goes in, and the angel of the Lord appeared to him standing at the right side of the altar of incense. So on the right side, it's believed to be favor, honor, um, prestige, like good news is coming. Next verse. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and gripped with fear. Uh, I probably would have peed myself. Next verse. (laughs) But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah. Like, it's interesting with angels. Every time they show up, the first words out of the angel's mouth is, don't freak out. Don't be afraid. Like, it's almost predisposed, right? That if an angel shows up, don't feel bad, because the first thing you're going to do is freak out. He's already ready. Don't be afraid. Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. I'm thankful that God hears our prayers. I'm thankful that God hears our prayers. I think about this for a second. Angel shows up. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. Okay, so, so which prayer was it? Like, because he's very old. I don't think, I don't think, I think he's looking at his wife and going, yeah, that ship has sailed. <laughs> right? I don't think he's looking at his wife and going, man, we are in the prime for bearing children. I think he's looking at his wife and going, man, it's over. I think it's been over for years in their mind. I think their prayers have already stopped. I don't think he's still praying, would you give us a child? Would you give us a child? I think he's come to a place where he's already settled with God that if it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. But this is what I love about God. He, your prayers, your prayer has been heard. God has heard and remembered like, think about your prayers for a second. You might have prayed a prayer years ago that God hasn't answered yet. It doesn't mean he forgot it. It doesn't mean it's gone. In fact, Revelation talks about when the elders, um, or there are the 24 elders, there's a bowl of incense, and the incense represents the prayers of the people of God. This is in heaven. In the presence of God, where God is, there is a bowl of incense. And in that bowl are the prayers of God's people. He hasn't lost one of them. In fact, they burn as an aroma to him. And you need to be encouraged today and you need to be reminded today that your prayers don't fall on deaf ears. 
that just because you prayed it and just because you're believing for it and you don't see it, it doesn't mean that God's not in it. And it doesn't mean that he's hurt. By the way, you ever had a prayer that you um, prayed that you go now? Man, God, I'm so thankful you didn't answer that one. (laughs) I remember one. God, if I could just marry her. Praise God that didn't come true. (laughs) Right? Can you imagine how many prayers and how many years? Why? Because, Because for us it's years, for God it's a second I mean, we're down here like, God, it's been six months. And he's like, really? Lost track of time. But his timing is perfect. You see, their hope, they're, they're, they're looking at this going, man, I want your blessing today, God. And God's going, man, I got a plan and I got time and this is going to work out. I haven't missed your prayer. To encourage you today, God hasn't not heard you. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son. Next verse. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. Next verse. For he will be great in the sight. He will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. Next verse. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. Next verse. And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah, the prophet, to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous. That's a weird sentence. To make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Okay, right. Hold up. They have perfect stock, right? They were priests. She was from a priest line. He's from a priest line. They're going to have an amazing little priest, right? They're going to have a baby. It's going to be an amazing priest. That was their plan. What God is giving them here is something drastically better. God's plan and purpose for their child is more than they could ever imagine because what they're talking about here is he's going to be a front runner for Jesus himself. God is telling them through the angel, Jesus is coming, right? And your son is going to go on before and turn the hearts of Israel back towards God. That's way bigger then we're going to have a little priest. And he's going to like hummus. <laughs> Why? Because I'm thankful today. I'm thankful today that God has a plan and a purpose. And that his plan and purpose is bigger than ours will ever be. And sometimes we hold our plan and purpose and we're like, man, this is really good, God. You really should do this. And God's holding this purpose and going, you really should see this. I'm thankful that he has a plan and a purpose. Next verse. Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I am an old man. Okay, gentlemen in the room, especially those of you that are young or just got married or been married a little while, this is some old man wisdom that you need to take to heart. Okay? And my wife is well along in years. Don't call her old. You get nothing else from church, that one's worth it. I'm an old man and my wife is, okay, like, hold on. Think about this for a second. God just told him that his son is going to be the front runner for Jesus, that he's going to turn many of the nation of Israel. It's been 400 years since God has spoken. 
There hasn't been a prophet for 400 years. God's been silent. And God just told him, your kid, Zechariah, he's going to be the man. Right? He's telling him that this is monumental. The Messiah is coming. He hears all of this, but notice what he's stuck on. Oh, uh, God, I'm really old and she's really old. How's this work out? I'm thankful today for humanity in the Bible. What I mean by that is I'm thankful that people did stupid stuff in the Bible. I'm thankful that they missed it. I'm thankful that they didn't have to get everything and be perfect because I think sometimes God speaks to us and we get stuck way back here. God's told us all of this and we're stuck like, wait, wait, how does that work? I'm thankful for humanity in the Bible because it gives me hope. It gives me hope that God's not done with me even though I miss stuff all the time. Even though I get it wrong all the time, even though we make choices and I'm like, man, I wish I would have seen the big picture. And God goes, I showed you the big picture. You just didn't listen. You got stuck here. I'm thankful for humanity in the Bible today. So how's this going to happen, God? I'm old. She's well along in years. Next verse. The angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. I am Gabriel, I stand in the presence of God and I have been sent to speak to you and tell you this good news. Can we pause for a moment? I am thankful that heaven is okay today. I am thankful that, well, this world is getting crazy and people are hating people more and love seems to be disappearing more and hope seems to be disappearing. There's more depression going on. There's more um, hurt and pain on our planet. There's more racism. There's more political divide. All of it, there's more calamity, like you name it. Just pause for a moment. Think about this. Gabriel standing in the presence of Almighty God as God sits on a throne where he is king. That while your world today seems like it's in chaos, can I tell you there's a God on the throne who hears your prayers today? That he's doing just fine. And Gabriel's standing there going, man, I'm here. I'm thankful for unseen realities today because sometimes we get so locked in. This is what Advent's all about, right? We get so locked in on all the things going on in our life, all the people, all the things, how, how big our world is, how big our world is. And I'm thankful today that there's heaven today and there's an unseen world and the angels are going, y'all are okay because God's still on the throne. Do you know that God can send an angel just like that to meet you today? You'll go, you'll be afraid, don't worry. But he, if he needs to speak to you today, he'll show up today. Any way he needs to. To tell you good news. Next verse. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. Next verse. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. They're like, bro, come on. It's time to go eat. Next verse. When he came out, he could not speak to them. They realized he had seen a vision in the temple. For he kept making signs to them, but remained unable to speak. Next verse. When his time of service was completed, he returned home. Next verse. After, his, after this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant. After this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant. I'm thankful for miracles today. Because it reminds me that God can do the impossible. And if God can do the impossible for them, he can do the impossible for me and he can do the impossible for you. So what are you praying for that needs a miracle today? Because he can do it. 
and for five months remained in seclusion. Next verse. The Lord has done this for me, she said. The Lord has done this for me. In these days, he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace. I like the word shame better. Shame is a better translation among the people. She says, she says, God's done for me what I could not do for myself. He's given me grace. I'm thankful. I'm thankful from this for grace today. I'm thankful that God shows up in our world and the stuff that we can't do. What I mean by that is that if you're anything like me, I was born with my eyes on me. I made choices about me. I sinned like I was good at it because I was good at it. And God showed up because all the sin made me extremely broken. And it made me extremely like disconnected. And God showed up in that world when I was at my absolute worst. God showed up on my behalf in that moment where I'm battling addictions. God showed up. And when God showed up, he lavished grace on me because I was under shame. I was under guilt. I was under condemnation. I was in pain. I was in brokenness. And God showed up and he went, you can't do this for you. But I'm answering the prayers of your mama today. And I'm showing up on her behalf for you. And Jesus showed up in my world. And he began to make everything new. Shame left. And what I got was freedom. Shame left. And what I got was joy. Shame left. And what I got was peace. Shame left. And what I got was the freedom to not live under the weight of everything I've been living under. Shame left. Shame left and love came. I'm thankful for grace today. When God shows up, he does what we cannot do for ourselves and he gives us an amazing gift. Let me ask you today, do you stand in a place where you've gone, God, I'll take that gift. I'll receive it. Because I don't know about you, like you may be sitting here going, man, I did that a long time ago. John, who are you talking to? I'm talking to you. Because if you're anything like me, my humanity allows me to make stupid choices. Even after I met Jesus, stupid choices. And sometimes those choices weigh down and a whole lot of pain and a whole lot of guilt and a whole lot of shame. And Jesus shows up and he comes near and he goes, I paid for every single one of those. Let me have it. Let me have it. You see, Advent is about this. It's a thrill of hope. I have hope today. Why? Because some old people had a baby. I have hope that if he can do that, he can do anything. I have hope today that people who, in spite of what was happening, that they did not like, that it looked like they were in the wrong, they still did the right. I'm thankful for that today. Advent breaks in and reminds us that it's always right to do the right thing. Advent breaks in. Advent breaks in. And when it does, it reminds us that God's timing is perfect. Advent breaks in and it reminds us that your prayers are heard. Advent breaks in and it reminds us that heaven is okay today. God's in control. You don't have to worry about it. Heaven breaks in today or Advent breaks in today. Heaven too. Advent breaks in if we'll let it and disrupt what's there and it reminds us that there's grace today. There's grace today. Why? Because God showed up. We have hope. And so God, we come before you today. 
God, we're amazingly blessed by the realities of who you are. God, I pray for anyone who hears this in this room, online, wherever they might be. I pray that in these moments you would break in and you would unsettle everything that needs to be unsettled. That God, where there is pain and where there is hurt and where there's shame and God, where it seems impossible that you would show yourself to be the God of the impossible. That God, those that are carrying weights that they shouldn't today would be released. That they would be reminded that you came near. Those that are praying, God, and they've been praying for years and they're on their knees and they're begging, would you, would you remind them that your timing is perfect and your, their prayers have not been missed today? God, would you remind those that just need grace today that grace is abundant in the cross. Grace is abundant because you became a baby. God, as we lean in and we begin to sing songs that celebrate your birth, that remind us of your arrival, your advent to this planet, as we slow down to remind ourselves, God, would you remind our souls that you arrived for us and you are everything we need. God, we love you. We're grateful for you today. Thank you for being the God who comes near that we may have hope today. And everybody said, amen. Church, would you stand with us? We're gonna worship and we're gonna sing about his birth and, and close this thing out.